for all those who haven't been with us, I'll catch you up with a little bit of what we're doing. We're going over every week learning about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so each week we're going over those things. And we're moving along here, progressing along. This is our eighth week of doing that. Um, and we've been looking at the definition of the kingdom as we're, as we're doing it. And that's kind of what we're analyzing and working to teach from. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Somebody want to tell me what the definition of the kingdom is? Who, oh, oh, jumped right up there. Take it away, Hannah. Partnership with them, yes. Yes. Say it again real loud. Okay, now that's the definition of the kingdom, and it's a biblical definition. The actual word kingdom strictly means what? Reign. The reign. The reign of a king. That's all it is. So we're looking at the biblical concept of what it means in terms of the kingdom, and that's that's what it is. So we've been breaking that apart, looking at different facets of it. And looking at how that all works together. And right now we're, we're our eighth week into it. So we're down now to looking at this intimate relationship and the surrender and kind of putting them together because we looked at it. We want to see now how do you live in this surrendered, intimate life. And last week we had a verse um, that we were looking at is what is the gospel? I mean, what does it accomplish? What does it do? Anybody remember what, what we saw? What was the verse? Colossians 1, and what's it say? You have been transferred. You have been transferred from the domain of darkness, and you have been what's the order? Rescued. Rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved. Yes, God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Now, what is that word? Domain of darkness. That's what we're we we moved. He moved us from that world. Really interesting to understand that. What does that mean? Who wants to tackle that one? The domain? What's that all about? What's that word mean? The domain? No, that's the darkness. What is the domain? Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice. It's a world of freedom of choice. That's what that world is. You got a freedom of choice, but it's the domain of darkness. And the darkness meant what? What's that mean in the Greek? Blindly ignorant. So it's a great, great free will world we live in. You got all the free will to make your own choices, but you're blindly ignorant. That's what God tells us. That kind of doesn't lend itself to having a whole lot of free will when you're blindly ignorant. Your free will kind of went in the tank because we think we think that you know that free will. We're so intelligent. We're smart. We look at things. We analyze things, and we do these things, and we come up with great decisions. And God says, "No, you don't. You're blindly ignorant." with that free will and and that's kind of uh, you know if I come up here and said that you'd probably be throwing hot dogs at me or maybe something but um, that's exactly what God says about the world that we live in and then salvation is he transferred us out of that world and what did he transfer us to say it again okay now we're I'm going to tell you I'm going to ask you to do it again he transferred us and don't use the word kingdom. Now try it. What did he transfer us to? Oh, well, what did he transfer us to? 
Call it that. This, this uh, surrendered relationship, this intimate partnership that we have. That's right. That surrendered and intimate partnership that we get to have with him. That's what he's transferred us to. That's the world now that when, you, when you're saved, that's the salvation. That's what it brings. You are in a new world. Totally new world. It does not operate like the kingdom, like the domain of darkness. It is a totally different world. And we have to know that. If we don't know that, we just move along and function and go along and think everything's good. Ah, nah, it isn't. That's the blind ignorance. <laughs> because in that world of the kingdom, of the, his beloved son, that world doesn't look anything or operate anything like the other world does. So that's where we're at tonight is then we've come this far. And so you've got your paper here. What does it look like? And, and this is the top of it. The lesson is how to live in this amazing kingdom of God. And the lesson on the top, you see it, it says, how, what does it look like then? To live surrendered to the reign of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. If I was to say that different, what does it look like to live in the kingdom? Because that's what this is all about. So how do you live in that kingdom world? Um, so I've, I've pulled out a, a few things, several scriptures that I have um, that we're going to go over. And I'm going to ask for some participation as we go along. So I'm going to get a volunteer who would read the first one, number one. If someone would mind not mind reading it. Hannah, take it away. Good. Sorry. On the page. The first one. Yes, first one on the page. Okay, now, here's what, uh, see if we can get you guys to jump in here. No Bibles, close your Bibles, close your Bibles. Don't you love when you go to a Bible study and close your Bibles? I get myself more trouble when I say that. I have a problem. Okay, look up there on the board, and I've got several verses written. Now, on this particular First one, there are two verses up there that apply to what we just we were just reading. Can you figure out which ones they might be? Think about it, look at them. I'm gonna say Romans twelve two. Okay, Romans twelve two. All right, we have that right here. Romans twelve two. Now why? Let me hear you. Why would you say that? And now I'm just blanking on what it says, but I know it's about renewing your mind. You may be careful to do all that is written in it, which is what this is saying. Do not be transformed. Do not be, do not be conformed, conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by, by what? the renewing of your mind that you may be careful to do. By the renewing of your mind. Okay, so what? 
proving you guys are getting so you can prove it to Willa Gattas? Yes. That's what I was trying to say. That's it. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay. So now, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, to, okay, now you want to put it down on your paper on the line there where the reference is. Put, is there only one for? No, there, this one will have two. But I want you to put it down there for a minute. And now, here's what we want to do. How many of you, you can answer this to yourself, knew what that verse said? Could quote it, understand it, reference it, knew, that, yes, that does fit into this because I know what it says. Now, if you didn't, we're trying to get these verses down here. See, we want, we want them in here. Why do we want them in here? Then I'll react to situations in life That's through a, that knowledge that I have stored in there. Exactly right. We'll, we'll say it again. Uh, we'll react to situations in life. <laughs> yes, I'll react to situations on, in life based on what knowledge I have in there. So if I have that verse in there, I'll react that way. But if I have uh, the latest Captain America in there, I'm going to react that way. <laughs> exactly right. And you're waiting for Captain America to come along and yeah, save you. you. Know, I mean, and you go, where is that guy when I need him? <laughs> exactly right. Now. This is what we want. We want them moved from out here. Because out here right now, they're in your cognitive conscious mind because we're talking about it. So they're out there, okay? You're hearing it. We're talking about it. It comes up. You can think about it. You hear these things and such. But it's not here. It's not here until you do what to get it there? Memorize it. Memorize it and meditate. Meditation is the real key. To meditate on it. Okay, let's read this along again. Make a commitment. And renew it as often as needed to memorize and meditate on the Word of God. Do this in order to renew your mind. That's exactly what the verse says, to renew your mind. So you can be transformed. What's the word transformed mean in that verse? Metamorpho. What's it, what's it mean? What's it from? What is that about? Completely changed to something totally different. You see the transfer from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son? He says, guys, we got to redo your brain. we got to redo who you are. we got to redo how you act because it doesn't fit in this. That domain of darkness does not fit here. We need a total transformation to live in that kingdom, to be able to function. And, and, and what are we trying to function in? What are we trying to live in? What are we trying to experience? Surrendering to God. And having that intimate, actively participating in that intimate partnership with him. That's the world of the kingdom. And that's what we're trying to go to. And that doesn't, that's just not natural for us. We're coming out of the domain of darkness. That's where we're at. So let's keep reading here. In the next five years, you're going to implant numerous things into your brain. You're going to fill this brain up with all kinds of stuff. Your brain, they call it neuroplasticity. Your brain is constantly changing constantly changing right now it doesn't look like it what it did when you drove in you've met people talked to them you've gauged a couple things we're talking now and already your brain is going into different motion different things and its pathways are coming through and they're connecting and doing different stuff that's how your brain was designed to work by god and it's doing that right now but how god has designed it to work is they need to get here here is who you are this is where all of your memory is stored in this part of your brain. That's what neuroscience calls it. God calls it the heart. Neuroscience calls it the default mode network. 
That's what goes into you. That's what sits in there. And now that's hidden in there. And if you remember back, this part of the brain can process a, a data at how fast? How much? One billion pieces of data per second. One billion pieces of data per second. Now over here, this is the part you're engaged with right now. In the cognitive conscious part of your brain. It processes a tiny bit slower. How, how, how slow is it? 2,000 pieces of data per second. <laughs> Ooh, you, see, you see, this is at a distinct disadvantage. Right now, this is what you're activating. This is what you're thinking. You think through this prefrontal cortex of your brain right here. That's where all this is being engaged and working on such. This part of here, to you, it looks sleepy. It's not existent. You don't even know what's going on there. But it's not sleeping. It's very active. It now, where do you think the verse came from, Elizabeth, that you started with? Where did that come out of? Right here. It was in there. Josh, you, you were pulling some of it out. It's in there. You didn't have to look it up. It's in this side of that part of your brain. And as you go to draw on it, it comes out and, and puts information right over here. It goes, and now your frontal cortex is working on that. It's, it's using that and working with it. And that's what it does. That's how God designed our brains to work. It's beautiful. It's a, a tremendous um, creation that he's done with the brain. It's beautiful. So, But look, let's keep reading. Now, make the choice to implant in the Bible into your default mode network. And then do what it says. Now, this is what's interesting. Okay? Here's our brain. And see this part right here? Temporal cortex, this part here, it's interesting. When, we, when you're thinking about stuff up here in the prefrontal cortex, then you're thinking about God and it, and it shifts and goes right through into the temporal cortex. When it does that, it's interesting. It, 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 of all the things you think about, that gets the brain more stimulated when you think about God in the, in, in the temporal cortex. It gets more stimulated than anything else your brain thinks about. And that's not me saying it. That's what neuroscience has discovered and seen that it happens. That's what it does. You think that's coincidental? Evolution didn't create that. God did that. It gets it going and stimulates it more so. But here's the big catch. So what we're trying to do is trying to think on these things and think on these things, meditate on these things, process these things, just keep going over and over and over because we want it here. So now when I have to make a decision on something, bingo, it's right there, comes out, Sends information over here. So how do we get it here? Meditation, meditation, meditation. That's the Joshua 1.8. So that you can do what it says. Now, here's the big thing. This is, again, neuroscience. Amazing thing they discovered. When you have a thought, Romans 12.2, you're working on that and you're thinking about it and you're processing it and you're going over it. And let's say you're trying to memorize it and you're going through it and you're trying to go through it. And you read this and you just keep trying to get it in your brain trying to get it down and you're thinking about it. When you do an action that correlates to what you're meditating, you're thinking about, what you're processing, this neurological growth is exponential when you put those two things together. Coincidence? I think not. When you do what God is talking about, you're thinking about it, you're processing it, and you do it, boom, it grows at an exponential rate. If you want to get it over here in your default mode network, do what it says. 
do what it says and it gets there quick and you start building the pathways there they know that that's exactly how they change behavior that's how you do it combine they work with that it's quite interesting um and then you think about this well i'll tell you what let's just go to there let's go to go james oh that was the next verse i was going to say james james one twenty two. okay who knows what it says is that, a, is that, no, that's not. Oh, yes, keep it going. What, do what it says. Look at James 1, 22 through 25. Look what it says. James 1, 22 through 25. So I'm going to read that one. How many scriptures do you think you've heard in your lifetime? I mean, it's pretty crazy how many have probably gone through our brains in the front part. And we got in, back into football network. In our heart, but that we've heard. And you see, when we hear them and we don't act upon them, they just get lost. They just get lost. God tells us this. Just tells us that. Um, Joshua, since that's your verse, Joshua 1 8. What does that say? You see what he says there? I mean, he tells us so point blank. You meditate. So that you can do it. You see, here, down here, down below, down below this thing, this guy right here, this part of our brain, this part of our brain produces what this is down here. This task positive network, that's where all your actions come from. All the actions you do flows out of this part of your brain. And that's, they see that, they watch it, it's what stirs up and that's what it does. You see, you meditate on it. Day and night, so you can get it in here, so then, then you can do it. So you put those two together, and now you've got the winning formula. That's the winning formula, God said. If you want to live in my kingdom, have this relationship with me, do what, what is right, get out of that domain of darkness, and live in this kingdom world, it starts right there. We've got to totally transform who we are by changing the way we think. That's, that's beginning, bottom line of everything that God wants us to do. That's what he calls us to do there. So now we got two that we should take those. What are we going to do with those verses? Meditate on them and then what? And do them. Do them. Take that verse. Take those two verses. Combine those two together. Get those in your brain. Work on those. And then do what it says. Okay, I've got to renew my mind. I've got to then start putting verses in here. I've got to start hiding this stuff in here. I've got to get it in here. And I've got to act upon it. James chapter 2. Don't open and go there. Don't do it. Just tell me. What is that? From 14 on, what is that all about? What is it? Faith and works. Faith and works. You notice a little uh, kind of a trend here? <laughs> and, and that faith talks about growing. It grows by works. That's how faith grows, by works. That's exactly what it says. The faith without the works is dead. And the word means it's not alive. I can't do anything. But the faith then that has works grows. That's how it moves. That's what it goes, it goes on. That's what, it, that's what it becomes. It comes to full fruition is what the word means. It moves on and grows to the, all that it's supposed to be. It's how God designed it. See, and when we got transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son... It's his rules. He's the king. It's his world. He makes the rules. And so, therefore, the only way we can function in that world is we've got to do what he says. 
And guess what that's all about? Doing what he says. Guess what that's all about in terms of the definition of the kingdom? Surrendering to the reign of God. That's exactly what it is. That's, that's what surrendering is all about. Doing what the king says. Pretty simple. It's not really rocket science. Pretty simple. You just do what he says. Combine that together now with renewing the mind so I can learn to have this actively participate in this intimate partnership with him. Because, see, that's not natural for me. That's not natural at all. Not even close. That's not the world I came out of. I, I, that's not where I came from. The world I come from, relationships are totally different. That's not how that world functions. But when you come over here into this intimate relationship with Christ, the King, wow, wow, we're, we stop and think about what he's asking us to do. Have an intimate partnership with the God who created this world. The holy and perfect God. The God who knows everything. The God who is the sovereign, righteous authority and power over all things. And he's asking me to have an intimate partnership. A partnership. Whoa. That word, where do I get that word partnership from? Where does that come from in the Bible? That concept. John 17, 3. What does it say? Grab that default mode network. Get it out of there. What's it say? This is eternal life. You may know him, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And who he has sent. No. And that word no is a Jewish axiom for a, a marital relationship. Where else is that verse found that is so key that shows us how important that word is? Ah, there we go. Matthew 7, verse 23. Can you quote it? I never knew you. Even though they did all these great things, but I didn't have that intimate partnership with you. And that's what, Je- that's what Jesus is using as the criteria. When he says, come here with me on my right, come on. You're going with me. you got to have that relationship with him, and we don't even know how to do that. But he saves us and brings us into that relationship. But we got a lot of learning to do. It's just like when you get married. Boy, I tell you, I thought I knew everything when I got married. <laughs> Ooh, I was 18. I was quite old, I thought. I got lots of experience, I thought. Man, I, <laughs> I had all kinds. Of, I, I fully knew how to relate to this woman. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I could even spell that word when I got married, man. It's amazing what I didn't know. <laughs> amazing. It was a growing experience to learn things about her, to learn how we relate together, and her me. And it was quite an interesting adventure. And I'm just trying to know another human being. Now, granted, it's a woman, uh, and I'm a male, and the two sometimes, I wonder if that twain ever does me. But no, we're, we're, we're meeting, but it's a human being. Now I'm trying to get to know God. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's pretty tough. That's quite a challenge. But guess what? Now the verse Anna was talking about comes to light because he's given us a spirit to allow us to do that. We can know these things. So it's quite a challenge. But let's move on. Now, this is the world of the kingdom of God's beloved son doing what the king says. And the king has spoken in his Bible and doing it. That's that world we just transferred into. Okay, let's go to the second one. Can I get someone to read the second one? 
Take it, Josh. Determine your life purpose. You may not be able to express your life purpose right now, but you do have one, and it determines how you are living your life. According to God's plan, the purpose of your life is to willingly surrender to the reign of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with Him. With the kingdom as your life purpose, you should then be helping others to do the same. This is the world of the kingdom of God's beloved Son that you have been transferred into. This is salvation. Okay, I'm looking for a verse up here that says that very thing. Uh, good call. No, not quite, but that's a good call. I like that. What's, what's Matthew 6.33 say? Wow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. This is going to address all the things that were in there, this verse, this passage. See if you can find it. Where is it? Luke what? 19. Luke 19. What is that all about? What is that all about? you remember? The parable? It's what? Yeah, the, uh, the minas. There's minas in there. Talents. Talents. Um, well, yes, yeah, so that works too. Minas is money. Talents is your abilities. Um, now, it's all about, it starts out and it says that's, that the, this, this person, this nobleman, came to get something. What did he come to get? The kingdom. And who is the nobleman? It's so obvious in this whole passage, Jesus. It's so obvious. And he says, he came to get a kingdom. So let's, let's translate that into a little more easier to understand with some meaning. He came to get what? There you go. That's what he came to get. A people surrendered to his rule and that will actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. That's what he came to get. So he does. But oh, not everybody was overjoyed at that, that he came to get that. And, and what's he call that? Those, those people said they got a whole group together and they went to him and they said, we're not going to have this man reign over us. Remember that? We're not having him reign over us. No way. Get rid of him. Who did that represent? The Pharisees, the Jews that were all working against him at that time. Yes. Yeah. And then you get down here a little lower, it goes down a little further, and it says, okay, now those that use their minas, their money, it's a term for money, that they had, that use their money to do what with? They were growing the kingdom, because the king went back and left these people to grow his kingdom with their money, with their talents. With their spiritual gifts to go use it to grow the kingdom. He put it in their hands. Wow. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. That's what he left us to do. So now he does that. And then at the end of this story, he has those people who did surrender, use their minas. Man, he rewarded them, praised them, everything else. But then one of his people who surrendered to him didn't do what he said. He buried it. He wasn't even going to use it to grow the kingdom. What happened with him? He took everything away. Everything away. Chewed him out royally. Took everything away. And then he goes to the next group. And the next group would not surrender to him. And what did he do with those? Slaughtered them. Bring them here. Slaughter them right here in front of me. 
wow, you talk about seeing the king in action and what this is all about. This is this is who this king is. Sometimes we have a tendency to see Jesus as all loving, wonderful. Yeah, he is. But you cannot forget he is going to be the one that makes that call. And those who don't surrender are slain. And those who don't do what he says, what happens with them? Everything's taken. Everything's taken away. That's what he says. But see, that's his world. This is the kingdom of the beloved son that he came to get. And so it's his rules. He decides, do what, what he says. That's the way it works. It's his world. So we have these things right in front of us. They're right there. So then what do you, what do, you do with this verse? What do we do? How do we do this? What do we do? What do we do? Use our talents and use our money. And use it to do what with it? Grow the kingdom of God. Other people. So if you are, look back at, our, look back at our, what it says. Down here towards the bottom of that. With a kingdom as your life purpose. You should then be helping others do the same. Do the same as what? Surrender to the reign of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. That's our life purpose. If you're transferred out of the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, there is your life purpose. Exactly what Jesus said. That becomes now your purpose of what you're going to do with your life. Um, if you've been to college, many people have been to college here? I got one class down. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been to college, college is so much of this concept that we're talking about of a life purpose. When you go to college, what are you, what's your money doing? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your energy? What is happening in your life? It's all wrapped up in graduating, getting through those courses, learning what you can and doing everything you can to get that. That's exactly, that's exactly how the kingdom should be operating in our life. It's your purpose. It's the purpose of why we've been transferred over there, of why he's left us here. He could have taken us. He didn't have to leave us here. He could have, every time somebody was saved, they're gone. He could have done that. But he didn't. And he tells us right there, you're here to grow my kingdom, to help grow it. You've got to get involved in it and use your money. Chris, Chris and I had a conversation about this. He had a great question here a while ago when we were talking about it. And he says, okay, now, let's, let's walk through this together. We, I go to work every day, and I go earn money, and I go do all this stuff. But I'm supposed to take all that money and go use it for the kingdom. But what do you do with that money, though? What are you supposed to do with all that money? You're supposed to use it, right? So how much can you... There you go. you got to use it on your life. So what's the real issue here? What is your life? What is your life about? What is your life about? That's what really starts making the difference. Because, see, let's just say you earn $100,000 in a year, and you cost... And you're, and you're eating up... 89% of that money and you have $11,000 left. And you go, gosh, we've got enough money to go on a really cool vacation this year. So then you go take 8000 of it and you go on a really cool vacation. That leaves you $3,000 left. Okay, that's $3,000. What are we going to do to it? 
I really would like some new couch and new chair. And so all said and done, you used and spent all that money. Was that a problem? Does God mind if I use money and feed my family, clothe my family, put them in a house? No. In fact, he'd be upset if you didn't. <laughs> if you let your kids starve, if you didn't take care of your kids, my goodness, he'd be all over you on that one. But here, the big issue is how much of your money are you using for yourself and how much are you using for the growth of the kingdom of God? I can't answer that for you. No one else can answer that for you. Who can answer that for you? You and God. You and God. You and God. You and God. You see, what that means is you're going to have to put some time in with God and work that scenario out on how much money you think is reasonable for you to live on and then what are you going to do with the rest of it? What are you going to do with the rest? Are you, how are you going to use it to develop and grow and help somebody else surrender their life to the reign of the king and actively participate? Now, I don't care who it is I meet anymore. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't treat anybody as different in a sense of being a Christian or a non-Christian. I don't separate them out. Because you see, the goal, the purpose of life is to have this relationship with God. And you know what? As a Christian, we can butcher that terribly. As a non-Christian, we've never even entered into it. So it doesn't matter to me. My money, my time, my energy, my everything is going to go into when I'm talking to people to talk about the kingdom. To bring them in, to try to work that together to try to help people get more surrender to get more involved in an intimate partnership with God because why why would I say that why is it that that truth that that's what it is it comes down to one singular thing it's my life purpose and until you make that your life purpose which is what God calls us to then you'll never do it because you'll have a purpose that will supersede that one and when we read it, that he said, guys, I'm leaving you here. Grow the kingdom. That's a, that, he puts that in our hands. So that's our life purpose. Work is, is, is how it can help support to do that. Totally different way to look at it when that's your purpose. When you went to college, you went to work. You usually had to do some work. So you're working as such. Well, it sure wasn't your purpose, was it? It's pretty obvious. That wasn't your purpose. You did that just to help live while you're doing what your purpose was. No, that's no different. It's no different at all. We use our money to help then do what God wants us to do. Do again. Remember, here we are. Do again what God calls us to do. Okay, let's look at one more. You guys get tired of me talking. So we'll get one more here. Uh, can I get somebody else to read this one? Someone want to volunteer for the third one? Sure. Take it. Oh. Aggressively learn everything you can about the kingdom of God. Go after it as if you are digging for silver or gold or a hidden treasure. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. Do this until you become addicted and crave the intimate partnership belonging, or sorry, being in the kingdom offers you. This is what the Greek word seek means. 
And this coincides with what Jesus said about the importance of the kingdom in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. This is the word of, of the kingdom of God's beloved son that you have been transferred into. This is salvation. Okay, what verse up there is really going to support what was just said? There we go. Now we got it. Yes, exactly. Matthew 6.33. Another verse we need to get in our heart. We need to get that implanted in there. Because you see what it says? You catch this? The Greek word seek. Seek first. What does that word seek mean? So important. What does it mean? Does anybody know? This is, this is, I'm, I'm asking this for a reason. It's really important. Because see, it means you're going to go after this with all the intensity of everything you have to learn everything you can about it. That's what the word seek means. That's not even including the word first. It's, that's what the word seek means. And you're going to go after it so strongly, so fervently, that eventually you're going to be addicted to this thing and crave learning about the kingdom. Learning about this, getting into this relationship, because that's what the kingdom is. Until you get to the point where you're craving that. That's what he said in Matthew 6, 33. My goodness. But now here's the issue. If we don't know what that word is and we memorize, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay? So we, we get that one. And we tuck it away. We get that. We've gone over so much. We can pull that out of my metacognitive, out of there. Get it in my default network, and I can pull it right in here. But if we know what that word means and what it says, then what happens? What happens in our, our life? Ah, beautiful! We can't act upon it. You just took Derek's spot. Hey. You've been dethroned over there. Good job, hey. Gabby. <laughs> You can't act upon it if you don't understand it. Uh, it's exactly right. If you think wrong about it, then what's going to happen? You memorize it, you meditate on it, and you think wrongly about it, what's going to happen? You're going to act wrongly. <laughs> exactly right. That's how it works. It's so important. Belinda and I were having a good conversation last week, and we were talking about a verse. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. What, do you remember what that verse was? <laughs> I should have pre-warned you. Oh, ooh, yes. Oh, man, give her a hand. We just talked about it last week, and she got it. Look at there. First John 2, 27. She pulled. But you've got it started. <laughs> we talked about it a bunch, and look at her. She remembered it. And now you work on it to get it down inside of you. Anybody know what that verse says? <laughs> the anointing which you have received. Remember? The whole concept of what this verse is, is the Holy Spirit, the anointing, will teach you all things. That's exactly right. There you go. All right. That's why you meditate. <laughs> That's why you meditate. God will you take that verse. This thing's working billion pieces of data per second. It's putting all this stuff together. You get that in there and 
he's now working this and then your brain's just going to town putting all this in starting to see this stuff figure it out but all day long you're thinking about it you're working with it you're processing it meditating on it going through it thinking about it some more oh man i gotta do that look at that how that works i gotta do this and you're learning and the spirit of god is just in there just moving along and helping you do that that's what he does and what does he say to put that brain doing the most thinking about Obviously, the verse is not implanted in your fault mode network. Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness first. First. That, that puts it even above what? what? That's right. Above what you eat, above what you drink, and above what you wear. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My goodness. Again, it's not my rules. It's not my world. If it was my world, I'd made it a lot easier for you. Because <laughs> i got to live by it too. But that's the world of the kingdom that we're transferred to. And Jesus says, seek it first. Seek what's right with me first. My righteousness. My kingdom. My rules. My life. That intimate partnership with me. Seek that more than anything in the world. That's what you go after first. And then what's he say after that? If you do that, all these things will be added to you. All these other things. Boy, we got it backwards. When I get time from my busy schedule, work, school, play, whatever, and then if I can get a few minutes in, maybe I'll take a couple minutes and think about this. It don't work that way. Not in God's kingdom. See, he's got different rules he plays by than what we play by. But I tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than to take the Word of God, put it, get it, into your heart. What did did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what that is, how that works? Here's who you are. This is all, he says, out of your, in fact, your words. He says, your words flow right out of this, out of your heart. That's where they come from. Mm. We think we're smart and processing all this. He says, no, they come out of your heart. Because, see, this is what's going to influence this. But your mind here, your mind, this part is your cognitive part that you're thinking about, that you're aware of, and that's going on all day long. And so he says, I want you to love me with all your mind. So now, what do we do with our mind all day long? You've got to be thinking about loving God, about what God is doing, about his kingdom. But now, look at this one down here, the soul. The soul is what? Who remembers when we talk about the soul? What is that all about? All your emotions. It's your limbic system. It's the part of your brain that all your souls, are, all your emotions are wrapped up in. Does God want you to be this, this intellectual giant that comes to him with no emotions? That's not what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your... Heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know how important this, this works? You guys see it all the time. You see this all the time, how much how important the soul is and all this stuff we're talking about. What's the easiest way you've ever had, even when you don't want to, to remember something? And you can't even get it out of your brain. A stupid jingle on TV. That's exactly right. <laughs> a song. It's a small world. It's a Don't small world. It. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. 
<laughs> a song. You listen to a song, and it's like, by the time that song's done, you already know half of it, the words to it. Now, as soon as that's done, you go try to memorize a verse, and you're three days later still trying. Why does that work that way? Do you know why? Because, see, what is a song, the notes of a song, what does that engage in your brain? Your soul, your limbic system, your emotions. And see, when it involves that, and you get this, and, you know, you're thinking about it, you get this involved, bingo, it's going right over here. Because guess what you do? You you do a do. You do a do. do. And you know what the do is? You start singing it. You start singing it. You're doing an action. You're singing it. And, man, you can't even get it out of your brain. Have you ever heard a song? This all of a sudden popped up. There it was. You heard it. Mm-hmm. And you walk away. You only heard one line, you know, several notes, and you walk away. Doggone it. You can't get that out of your mind. It's one you've known before, and it's like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Keeps running through your brain. That's because it's connected to your soul. What's, a, what's one of the things, what is one of the really important emotions that needs to go along with learning this stuff and learning about God, learning anything. Joy. Joy. That's a song, what a song does. It gives you joy. And when it, re- and, you know, and when it does that, it releases a chemical. A little bit of joy off a song releases a chemical. You know what that chemical is? Dopamine. When you have the joy from God and you combine that with what you're doing, with what you're learning, what you're trying to do, and go, wow, look what this does for my relationship with him. Look what it does. That joy just empowers that in you now to be able to draw from that, live on that, and become part of you. And that's why it's so important to mix that together because then, then, that's what leads to your strength, doing what it says. I surrender Surrender.